This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. And away we go. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. My name is Richard Serrett. They have that correct. You found us. This is The Conspiracy Show coming to you from our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, Toronto, Canada. 50,000 watts of love, peace, and truth. Well, we uh, we made it. We made it past September 23rd. Uh, that's the day Sir Isaac Newton uh, predicted some messianic event. Uh, uh, we made it past the 29th of Elul. The blood moons came and went. We are still here. Uh, but let's face it, look around, read the headlines. We are not out of the woods yet. Uh, the clouds are still gathering. Uh, you know, it's not like a precise, uh, you know, hour or, or, or minute uh, in, in terms of, of end times prophecy. However, uh, we will get into that because Carl Gallup's, uh, the author of Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revolution, Revelation, is standing by. He has a new book out. Uh, called Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution and Times of Trouble. Uh, hey, listen, our old friend Tim Spreen is back, my old technical producer, back turning the knobs and dials this week. Uh, Ian Robertson, or is it Robinson? Robertson? I got that right. Well, he's so new, I don't even have his last name down yet. <laughs> anyway, Ian is, uh, Ian Arteki is off. Uh, good to have you back, Tim. Uh, Albert Venzel is here running our Hangout on Air. Albert and I have posted our usual assortment of tantalizing tidbits up at the website, uh, strangeplanet.ca or strangeplanet.tv. That's the new landing page, folks, strangeplanet.ca or strangeplanet.tv. Uh, just go to the radio page for The Conspiracy Show. Uh, and those stories uh, are rotating in the slide carousel. Here's one you might uh, want to check out as you're stuck on the world's longest parking lot. That would be the uh, 401 or the McDonald Carchet uh, or the Don Valley Parkway. Uh, two Los Angeles startups are racing to develop tubes to zip people hundreds of miles an hour between cities. It's, uh, it's called the Hyperloop. Uh, and go figure, the man behind this, or one of the, uh, the, the principles behind this, is none other than Elon Musk of uh, Tesla Motors. Uh, there's also a, a video about psychic surgery in the Philippines. Uh, again, posted up at the, uh, in the slide carousel. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the, uh, the radio tab. Uh, I'm not sure why, but the Philippines seem to be psychic surgery central. Have you noticed that? All the psychic surgeons seem to come out of the Philippines. Uh, anyway, we'll learn more about psychic surgery uh, when we welcome Val Zubiri to the show uh, very soon. Uh, and he'll talk about his journey into psychic healing. 
he's a, he's primarily a visual artist, but he um, interesting story. His father uh, became ill with pancreatic cancer, uh, which for the most part is a death sentence. When you get uh, pancreatic cancer, that's about it. Uh, however, this sort of precipitated his um, his journey into this whole area of psychic healing and a travel t- to the Philippines where he witnessed firsthand um, psychic surgery. And, you know, we've all seen the, uh, the videos on YouTube and so forth and seen the expose, and it's been primarily sort of poo-pooed and debunked as some sort of a scam and a hoax. And then along comes someone like uh, Doc, uh, uh, God of John, um, who came to Toronto. Um, a couple of years ago, my, my television partner, Jalal Murray, actually uh, brought him to Toronto for a big event. And uh, I didn't meet uh, God, John of God, but I, I know people who had a face-to-face with him and went in as total skeptics and came out as total believers, had uh, like uh, just amazing experiences. So, I, uh, you know, cards on the table, I don't know what, what to make of it. But we will uh, we'll talk about psychic surgery very soon on the Conspiracy Show when Val Zubiri will, uh, will join us. Uh, anyway, those are just two of the stories Albert and I have posted on the slide carousel. Once again, visit strangeplanet.ca or .tv. Uh, and there's a radio tab. Just click on the Conspiracy Show. That's where you'll find us. Uh, there's also, incidentally, on uh, the landing page at strangeplanet.ca, a tab for the TV show, which is also called The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And uh, if you've been uh, paying attention, you'll know we're gearing up for season four of the television program. Season four. My gosh, how did that happen? (laughs) Anyway, I have been, when I'm not in front of this microphone, I am uh, jumping on a plane and crisscrossing North America, uh, back and forth, West Coast, East Coast, Southern United States, you name it. And... um, we are busy taping interviews and uh, ready for delivery. Uh, I do not have a, a, an air date for you, but as soon as I get it, I will give it to you. Uh, anyway, season four of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, the television program coming very soon to Vision TV across Canada. Now, and this is kind of cool. Um, the complete first two seasons of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett the television program, now available for rent or purchase at Amazon.com. The first complete uh, two seasons. So, if you haven't caught it on Vision and across Canada, or if you're uh, uh, in the United States, Australia, wherever you are, anyway, Amazon.com and uh, the first two seasons are available for rent or uh, purchase. My word. Uh, So many ways to hear the radio show and the television program. Um, Anyway, uh, I want to get to the main event here. Carl Gallops is uh, standing by. And uh, he's, as always, prepared to talk about what the Bible has to say about being prepared for disasters. Uh, should we stockpile supplies? How should we be prepared for the possibility of a, a, a coming economic collapse, uh, an electromagnetic pulse attack, or potentially looming World War III? And things are heating up, of course, in Syria. We have uh, the Russians bombing um, Areas that, well, may not be populated by uh, members of ISIS. They are uh, uh, sort of members of the pro-Syrian army and their, how shall I say it, um, their origins are somewhat dubious as well. 
Uh, and obviously this is causing a great deal of friction between the United States and Syria. And there are reports that uh, two, uh, two Chinese naval vessels uh, have docked recently in Syria. So uh, suffice to say, things are ramping up in a major way uh, in the Middle East. Uh, and then there's the question about uh, uh, Christian persecution. Uh, I don't have to tell you that Christians are losing their head their heads, ladies and gentlemen, separated from their bodies uh, in the Middle East. And uh, we had this recent incident, this uh, school, another school shooting at a uh, community college in Oregon uh, where the individuals targeted were Christians. They were asked to identify themselves, to identify their religion, and the shooter then said... Uh, all right, you're a Christian, good, because you're going to be meeting God in about one second. And then they were summarily executed. Uh, so we have that going on. Much to discuss. Uh, Carl Gallups is a former law enforcement officer turned senior pastor. He's the author of four books, including The Magic Man in the Sky and the bestsellers, The Rabbi Who Found Messiah and Final Warning, Understanding the Trumpet Days of Revelation. And Carl uh, will be appearing at my next live event entitled, I keep saying entitled, it's titled, As in the Days of Noah, Wednesday, November 4th at the University of Toronto. Uh, he'll be appearing on stage with yours truly along with L.A. Marzuli. Uh, just go to my live events page at strangeplanet.ca for more details and to order tickets. Carl Gallops, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, thank you. I'm doing wonderful. And listen, I'm certainly looking forward to being with you guys in November, and I'm honored to be here with you tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, I, I was at a, um, a Jim Mars event. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with uh, Jim Mars, sort of the grandfather of the JFK assassination uh, research, and uh, uh, he was in town talking about uh, the depopulation agenda. Anyway, um, um, I, I was there, and uh, a lot of people, you know, coming up to me very excited about uh, the event on, on November the 4th and uh, following uh, your, your, um, your work. Um, I want to ask you, let me just jump in right in and, and talk about what I mentioned off the top, and that was this shooting in, um, in Oregon. And the it, it would appear, I mean, it, it seems quite obvious that the individuals targeted, uh, that the individuals executed were done were were done so because they were they identified as as Christians professing their faith in in Christ, uh, and yet what I found most disturbing was uh, the current occupant of the White House um, made no bones about you know, making that a political uh, event and talking about the need for gun control, although people like Donald Trump, love him or hate him, uh, when, he, when he happened to, um, uh, you know, talk about uh, the need to clamp down on these sanctuary cities after this illegal immigrant killed uh, Katie, uh, Donald Trump was summarily um, uh, criticized for, make, you know, politicizing that, and yet here we have an event, a tragic event, nine, nine people, uh, executed for being Christians. That was politicized, and no mention, no mention of of the fact that these were targeted. These individuals were targeted because of their Christian faith. Yeah, your yeah. thoughts, Richard. Listen, the hypocrisies seem to know no boundaries connected with this case and others like it. And as you have um, so astutely pointed out, 
the the disparity in the, in which the, uh, in, in the ways in which this is being handled through the White House. But listen, by, by now we're seven years into this administration. This, this should not surprise us. I mean, we those of us who have studied. Uh, the man in the White House and the people with whom he has surrounded himself and the people with whom he has fellowshiped and surrounded himself for most of his life. I mean, he writes about it in his books. Um, There should be no surprise to us that the man has an agenda. And and I, I mean, I mean, I, look. I was a former cop for years. I did, I did criminal investigations for some of those years. Uh, you know, people sometimes will say, "Well, you're just a conspiracy theorist." And, and my answer to that is, "Well, let me let me tell you. As a former law enforcement officer, I know that many many crimes begin with a conspiracy. And so, what a good law enforcement officer does, or a good journalist, as you are, a good radio host and TV host, as you are." Uh, what, what, what we do, law enforcement and journalists, we take a, a, a something that has happened and we form theories and we form the, the, the basis for understanding the possible conspiracy behind this terrible deed. And then, of course, we come up, we separate the bad information from the good information until we finally come up with uh, a truth in the matter. So that's, that's what I was trained to do. And then all of my years in the ministry, I approach the Scriptures the same way as I compare them to what's happening in the world around us. You know, we do a thorough exegesis of the Scriptures and, and, and examining the languages and context. And then we look at what's happening around us and we pull the two together. So, so now we look at what's happened at UCC in Oregon. And it shouldn't surprise us. Listen, as soon as it happened... On my social network site, I blogged, and I said instantly, I said, I can tell you within the next few hours, Obama's going to go to a microphone somewhere, and he's going to tie this to gun control, and he's going to politicize it. Not only did he do it, but he bragged about doing it, Richard, so it shouldn't surprise us. All right, Carl, uh, you stay put, and we will uh, come back on the other side and continue to discuss... Um, well, many things, uh, the yes. persecution of the church, end times, uh, and much more. My name is Richard Serrett. You have found us. This is The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. And I am anticipating a deluge of uh, emails, most of it unpleasant. Uh, whenever I mention the C word on the program, uh, Christianity, <laughs> it opens the floodgates. And, you know, I, uh, that's all right. Uh, I've got um, uh, broad shoulders, and um, uh, it's a strong faith, and and, uh, I can take it. Uh, And I would not in in any way compare... You know, uh, this minor irritant, uh, the slings and arrows of some uh, hateful email to what happened, for example, uh, to those nine Christians that were slaughtered uh, for their faith in uh, Community College in Oregon, or if we uh, dial it back to June... Uh, the nine uh, souls at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church gunned down in Charleston, South Carolina, seemingly for the same reason, because they are Christians. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's easy to sort of uh, to seek safe haven in that gray middle ground, but uh, to me, uh, things are ramping up and coming to sort of what my father used to say, an acute angle, and it's harder and harder to sit uh, by uh, and stay in that gray middle ground. Uh, anyway, Carl Gallops is uh, with us. His new book is called Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution and Times of Trouble. Uh, Carl, I'm sure you've uh, you know been confronted with this question umpteen times, and it's quite frankly, it's a good question. 
Uh, people like Bill Maher would ask this, uh, you know, when talking, when, when you know, taking a, a shot at religion and so forth. And that is, uh, you know, the idea of Christians arming themselves, uh, let's say bringing guns into churches uh, to defend oneself. You know, back, there's a, in the Orthodox Church, uh, during the liturgy, there's a, a point where they say, bar the doors, which harkens back to when church, the early churches in the catacombs in Rome and so forth, they were under these, under this type of persecution, and so the the the, uh, the congregation were were ordered to bar the doors to prevent anyone from bursting through. Um, but when it comes to again going back to Bill Maher and, and talking about you know arming Christians and is there something, you know, does that fly in the face of of uh, the, you know Christ saying you know. Turn the other cheek, and 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 uh, uh, you know, don't uh, you know, don't slay your enemies. Love them and pray for them. Is there a contradiction there? Yeah. No, thank you, uh, Richard. That is an excellent question, and as a matter of fact, I deal with it quite extensively in my book. But I look forward to speaking with you and your audience about this tonight. Um, you you know, whether or not a, a well in the United States of course, is where I live, and, and uh, with the Second Amendment rights in so many states having concealed weapon permit or even open carry permit and the right to keep and bear arms uh, and bear arms. Uh, so we, you know, we, we have that opportunity. Most of us in America do. Most of us have that uh, choice to make. Now, whether or not someone chooses to own a firearm and or carry a firearm it is a highly personal matter, and I don't judge a person one way or the other. If a person says, you know, I'm just not comfortable with firearms, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd rather defend myself in some other way, uh, that, that's fine. But on the other hand, again, in the United States, we, we do have that choice, and so many people do choose to arm themselves, and many Christians do. And, of course, the question comes up, should a Christian uh, carry a firearm? Should a pastor carry a firearm? In fact, a minute, uh, in a minute, I'll tell your audience uh, whether I do or not. <laughs> Should churches arm themselves? Should churches have security teams, security ministries, etc.? These are all very important questions, and on the heels of, uh, or on the advent of, increasing persecution, if you would, or targeting of Christians, let's call it that, uh, on the advent of increasing targeting of Christians in the United States, either the targeting like of a Kim Davis and a flower shop owner and a church I mean, excuse me, a, a, a cake baker for weddings, whether it's that kind of targeting by radical groups like the radical homosexual agenda in the United States, targeting those folks, or whether it's, as you said, the, the church in North Carolina or, or the school in Oregon, and, and, and both of those killers admitting, you know, that's what I'm here. I'm targeting Christians. I'm targeting uh, believers in Jesus Christ. So we have some heavy-duty thinking to do. Now, let me address this question of turning the other cheek. Uh, that's an important question. The problem with all of this is context. I want to ex- address the context of what Jesus meant when he said that, according to the Scriptures, the full context. And then I want to address what Jesus said about arming oneself. He said some very profound things, Richard, some very pointed things. Now, concerning this, the, the concept of turning the other cheek, the context of that, that was spoken in the Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to the massive crowds, and he's speaking to day-to-day living, and how do we live our faith in the face of 
of uh, people who would disagree with us or dishonor our faith or even abuse us because of our faith. And the basic point of the message of turning the other cheek was, look, as believers in Christ, as Christians, we're not here to be arrogant, uh, you know, people looking for a fight. We don't bully our way through life. Uh, We don't bow up and get offended every time somebody challenges us. At least we shouldn't. And so what Jesus is saying, look, just as, as far as it is possible with you, live at peace with the world around you. If you have to turn the cheek from time to time, you know, turn the other cheek, uh, take a little abuse, uh, you, you know, just carry, carry the code an extra mile for the person. And, of course, he was using illustrations from, from the, the culture of the day. I mean, uh, Roman soldiers could conscript, uh, conscript a person off the, off the street to carry their equipment to do things for them. And, and so what he was saying, look, he said, let's use that as an illustration. You know, you're a believer. You're a believer in God. Uh, so, so and he and he befriended Roman soldiers, the well, enemy, yeah. the sworn enemy, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and 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 the thing is, is he was telling people, look, don't look at people according to race or class or culture or or any of these things. But 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 you are a child of the kingdom. You have a witness for the kingdom of God. So as the day to day persecutions and hardships come your way, as far as it is possible with you turn the other cheek. I mean, and, and I agree with that. I live my life that way. Now, for people who want to get hardcore and say, no, 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 what that means is, is just let people do like they want to to you, you know, in the name of Jesus or whatever you want to say, just let them do that. And I say, really, really, do you really think that's what he meant? Is that really how you live? I mean, so you're in your house tonight, you're in bed, it's three o'clock in the morning, you hear a big explosion, and you realize somebody has just kicked your door down. They're walking, they've come into your house, there's two or three people with machetes and baseball bats, and they're headed down the hallway where your little children are. Are you going to step out into the middle of your living room and say, hey guys, I'm going to turn the other cheek, just do whatever you want? Of course not, of course not. In fact, that would be unbiblical, that would be ungodly. The same scriptures tell us that a person who does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. And, of course, the word provide means everything. I mean, providing not only food on the table, but the general expectation of safety and security. No, no parent would allow thugs to kick a door down and then go to your children's rooms with baseball bats and machetes and just say, no, no, we're Christians here, so we turn the other cheek. Of course not. So the context there is a matter of, look, as far as you can, day-to-day life, don't go around with your chest bowed out. Don't go around picking a fight, looking for a fight. Don't go around looking for opportunities to be offended. That's not the way to express the kingdom of God. Rather, turn the other cheek. You know, take abuse, take a little bit more, and shake the dust off your feet and keep going forward. Now, to this point. To the topic of personal protection, I, I, want to, I want to share a couple of things that come from the Scriptures immediately, two out of the mouth of Jesus, and, and then, then one Old Testament example, and I could give you many, and all of them are in my book, but uh, it, on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, or was betrayed, and was going to be arrested, and finally taken before Caiaphas, and, and, and then, of course, go to the cross, he told his disciples, and the context is very literal, he told them, he said, look, if you don't have a sword among you, I advise you to buy one. He said, if you have to sell your cloak or sell your sandals, he said, I advise you now to buy a sword. Now, here's the context of it. 
The context was he was getting ready to go to the cross. He knew. He knew everything that was going to happen. He knew that his disciples would be targeted. He knew they would be hunted. He knew that when he rose from the grave that they were going to be accused of stealing the body. He knew that their lives would be in danger and the lives of their children and their families. So he said to them, buy a sword. Now, Richard, a sword in Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago, was the same as a, a, a personal firearm. Sure. I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was a personal protection weapon. And, and so when you continue to read the Scriptures, Peter speaks up and said, Lord, we have two here among us right now. And Jesus said, that'll be enough. Now, I always tell people when I preach that, I say, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, but I imagine Jesus smiled and looked at Peter and said, Peter, that'll be enough. We're not fighting a war here. I'm just saying right. you need to kind of, you know, don't don't go empty-handed. And when they came to arrest uh, Christ in in the Garden of Gethsemane, though, he, he uh, Peter went at the Roman soldier, uh, cut off his ear with that sword, and Jesus basically talked him in off the ledge. Oh, yeah, it, and he rebuked him. And so here, and people say, well, okay, so there's a hypocrisy. No, there's not. It's a matter of context. Jesus came to earth to go to the cross. He was going to Gethsemane on purpose, to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was going to Golgotha on purpose, the hill of the cross. He, he was headed that way. He had told his disciples that. And so the guards coming into the garden that night, they were all a part of God's plan. And so when Peter tried to thwart that and, and cut off the, the guy's ear and turn to violence, that's when Jesus rebuked him. And like you said, talked him in off the ledge and said, Peter, this is not what I meant. This is not the time or the place. I don't want you to protect me. I'm going to the cross. And, of course, he healed the guard's ear, and he told, told Peter, put your sword away. This is not the time or the place. But what, so what he meant when he said, get a sword, and Peter said, we've got two, and Jesus said, okay, that's good. That's, that's, that's good. What he, was, he was speaking of just the personal protection, day-to-day, common sense. It's going to get tough, guys, is what he was telling them. And especially after the resurrection, it's going to be tough. Uh, you need to be able to protect your family. Carl Gallup's Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution in Times of Trouble. Uh, just a reminder, Carl uh, will be coming to Toronto at the uh, Oise Auditorium, University of Toronto, St. George Campus, Wednesday, November the 4th. That's an evening event along with L.A. Marzulli, and it's called, as in the days of Noah, uh, tickets available, just go to my live events page at strangeplanet.ca. Uh, let me throw this out there, Carl, and uh, I'm not, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to ambush you here, but this is a tough one. But how would Jesus have felt, or how would Jesus feel about the Second Amendment? Yeah. No, no, listen, you, you can ask me anything you want. I don't, I don't uh, take any question as an ambush, Richard. I, I really enjoy uh, speaking truthfully about these things. Well, listen, how would Jesus feel about the Second Amendment? Well, of course, I haven't talked to Jesus about this, but I know him personally through my relationship with him, and I know the Scriptures. And, and I do know that the Second Amendment was designed, and of course I know American history, the, the, the Second Amendment was designed to protect the freedoms of the First Amendment and the freedoms outlined and, and the self-evident truths spoken of in the Declaration of Independence, and that is our freedoms come from God. And we have a, we, we have a right, we have a right to basic self-protection and self-preservation. Of, of, of ourself, that's redundant, of course, but, but of our families, our loved ones, and, and the innocent people around us. I mean, that's a godly thing. That's a godly principle is, is for those of us who can 
to defend the innocent around us from evildoers. Evil exists in this world. Evil is real. I mean, look at ISIS. Look at what happened at UCC. Look what happened in North Carolina. There are evil, wicked, demonically possessed people who would set out to destroy every believer today if they could. And so the Second Amendment is just a statement of that fact. And it says, look, you know, if you, you, you have the God-given right and responsibility to defend yourself. Now, again... The Second Amendment doesn't mean that we're supposed to have arsenals to go out and start wars with people. And it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be big bullies carrying guns on us, uh, making people do what we want because we've got a bigger gun. Of course not. It's just a statement of the God-given right and responsibility we have to defend ourselves. All right, Carl, got to jump in. We'll uh, take a time out, come back. Be thou prepared. Equipping the church for persecution in times of trouble. Boy, have we got trouble. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Uh, you know, let's be clear. Uh, Christians are not the only uh, religious group uh, that is in the crosshairs of ISIS. They are targeting uh, other Muslims. Uh, they are targeting uh, a sect of the Zoroastrians, the, uh, the Yazidis. Uh, but um, the, the West has been largely silent uh, about this. And... Um, you know, it, it harkens back to uh, the end of the Second World War uh, when uh, Jews were fleeing Europe. Uh, right here in Canada, we like to think of ourselves as uh, this, you know, a bastion of, uh, of uh, uh, liberty and, uh, and so forth. And yet, and yet there was a, a member of the, uh, the Liberal Party who stood up in the House of Commons uh, when asked, you know, how many Jews should we bring into Canada, allow to come into Canada to escape the Nazis? And the liberal member's response was, none is too many. And here we go again. We keep saying, you know, never again, never again. And yet it is happening, not on that scale yet. Uh, but still, we are largely, the silence is deafening. Wouldn't you agree, Carl? Yes, I would. And listen, thank you for your astute observation that, of course, Christians are not the only targets of radical Islam. Uh, you're absolutely right, and, and, and the facts bear that out. But the facts also bear out, as, as you were saying when you interjected your however, uh, the facts also bear out that Islam focuses its targeting of, of the infidels upon Christians and Jews. I mean, uh, there's just no, there's no doubt about it. Now, right now, what's happening in the Middle East, of course, is a cleansing, the ISIS cleansing. They're trying to get it. It's a power struggle between various factions of Islam, and they're trying to uh, cleanse out and to get rid of any opposition they would have, even from among the Islamics, uh, who would keep them from coming to power and establishing their caliphate and establishing their ISIS, their Islamic state of Iraq and Syria, or ISIL, the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, which includes, of course, the whole uh, eastern portion, which includes Israel. That's what they want. And so they'll kill anybody that gets in their way, and that includes the more moderate factions or different factions of Islam. You're right. But their ultimate goal is to cleanse the area of Christians and Christianity and and or Judaism and the Jews, and particularly to ultimately destroy what is now the modern-day nation of Israel and to claim that land as their own. So that's what's happening. 
And, of course, they hate the Western powers, particularly the United States of America, because we have been involved from the beginning in the establishment of the nation of Israel, along with other nations and the United Nations. But they really, really hate the United States because, uh, because we are the largest Christian nation that the planet has ever seen. Now, when I say Christian nation, I don't mean that everybody in the United States is a Jesus-loving, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, church-going Christian, but we have more people in the United States claiming to be believers in Jesus Christ, claiming to be Christian uh, in one nation than, than, the, than the planet has ever seen. And, of course, United, the United States has been a huge supporter and defender of Israel. So that's what all of this is about, and, and it's very spiritual. Of course, I come from a biblical worldview. I know that uh, some of your listeners and my listeners and all the interviews I do, are not all of them are people of faith, and I try not to be too preachy uh, when I'm on radio programs, but I make no bones about it. I'm a Christian. And, and I come from a biblical worldview. So I understand the Word of God says that we see these things being acted out in the physical realm, of course, in the human realm, but behind them are very deep and dark spiritual powers. And this really is a spiritual battle taking place, which the Word of God, and only the Word of God, prophesied, spoke of thousands of years ago. It's what my book, Final Warning, is about. And, and, and here it's being lived out. Before us, Israel is back in the land. Only the Word of God said that that would happen in the last days. Ezekiel 38 speaks of an alignment of certain nations, Iraq and Russia, perhaps China getting involved, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, uh, the destruction of the Middle East, uh, the Euphrates River being the, the hotbed of all of that. Only the Bible speaks of that. The Quran doesn't speak of that. Uh, the Hindu Vedas doesn't speak of that. The teachings of Buddha doesn't, doesn't speak of that. But the Bible does, and we're watching it. We're the only generation in the history of mankind to see Israel return and the nations align themselves and everything happening that the Word of God said. And All right. ISIS is in the middle of it. All right, Carl, we'll take one final time out, come back and uh, finish up. Uh, we do have to talk about, uh, you know, the, a little bit about the, uh, the Shemitah and, and uh, the, uh, the prophecy yes. of uh, Sir Isaac Newton has come and gone and uh, the blood moons, etc., uh, we'll address that as well. Carl Gallops, Be Thou Prepared, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Do not touch that dial. Uh, if you don't have the Conspiracy Show app, uh, why not? My gosh, it's free. It's uh, available through the uh, Google Play and uh, iTunes. Again, it's free, and you can take The Conspiracy Show wherever you go. Carl Gallops is here. Be Thou Prepared, equipping the church for persecution in times of trouble. All right, Carl. So uh, we had the uh, the 29th of uh, Elul, which um, uh, occurred during um, uh, the Jewish New Year on the Hebrew calendar. We had the uh, the final of the uh, blood moons and the tetrad, which was, uh, you know, over an 18-month uh, span. We had these four blood moons, and uh, uh, we had, of course, the, the 23rd of September, which was uh, 23rd of September 2015, which was uh, sort of earmarked by Sir Isaac Newton as uh, the date in which some sort of major messianic event would occur. Uh, and we're still here. The sky didn't fall. No economic cataclysm, although, you know, the, the markets have been a little rickety of late. Uh, is there a danger of, um, uh, you know, the, the whole chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and it never falls? Yeah. Well, yes and no. 
and and what a what an excellent question, and I know a lot of people are asking it. Um, it one reason a lot of people are are asking that question, though, Richard, I'm afraid, is because there was so much hype and misinformation out there about what reputable Bible scholars were really saying about all of this. And 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 let me let me let your listeners know what I mean by that, and then I want to give them a, a feel for what really has happened and what is happening. Of course, we had, you know, Isaac Newton saying that on September 23rd, 2015, something messianic was going to happen, something prophetic. Well, I want to share with your listeners exactly what happened on that date and the few days before and after. It's it's absolutely astounding. But as I said, um, listen, I, I'm, I'm a former cop. I, I've been in the ministry for 30 years. I've been a pastor in one church for 29 years. I'm, I'm a solid conservative evangelical pastor. I've never been a date setter. I've never claimed to be a prophet. I've never said, let me tell you what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And I didn't do that during any of this. But what I said, the illustration that I used was, look, look, look at the prophecies that are contained only in the Word of God that we're the only generation to see them happen and watch them converge, the ones we know Israel's back in the land, the coalition of nations that I was speaking of, that's happening right before our eyes. Russia and China are now in the Middle East, in Syria. That's a biblical prophecy that, that many scholars have been writing about for hundreds of years. Uh, now we've got the United States turning its back on Israel. Israel is literally surrounded by enemies, some of them calling in the news daily, we want to destroy her, we want to drive her into the see. All of that is biblical prophecy before our eyes. The whole thing of ISIS and their strongholds along the Euphrates River, that's all biblical prophecy. So those things we know, and there's much more. But in the meantime, you've got the Pope coming forward, calling for the state of Palestine. You've got the United States, the largest Christian nation in the world, trashing 6,000 years of definition of marriage and the biblical definition of marriage with a Supreme Court ruling. Then you've got the Pope calling for the state of Palestine, acknowledging a state and a nation that doesn't even exist, and if it did, could be devastating to the life of Israel. Then you've got the Pope calling for a one-world governmental system, those are his words, to deal with man-made global warming. And all of these things that are happening, then, on top of all of that, you've got September, and you've got the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of uh, of atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, all falling within the same month, at the same time that the Shemitah cycle ends, at the same time that the year of Jubilee, the Super Shemitah cycle begins, at the same time the Tetrad of the Blood Moon ends, and then at the same time, of course, Isaac Newton, and I don't claim that he's a, 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 a prophet, but but he did make some astounding prophecies about the return of Israel and how it would all happen that, uh, he, that, that came to pass, just as he said from his mathematical calculations. And he said that on September 23rd, something powerful was going to happen, messianic. So what I've been telling people, Richard, for the last several months is, look, I'm not setting dates. I'm not proclaiming something particular is going to happen. But here's what I'm telling you. There's a convergence that's coming like a flood of biblical end-time prophecies that are unprecedented, and they're astounding. And I liken it to this. I live on the Gulf Coast in Florida. I live in Hurricane Alley. From June till November of every year is hurricane season down here. When June rolls around, the conditions start ripening, the conditions start converging, and the weather people every day are saying, okay, we've got a low front, we've got this, we've got a high-pressure system, we've got a low-pressure system, this is a tropical storm, now this is going to be a hurricane, here's where it's going to strike. 
And so what we do in June, we look at the convergence of conditions, and we say there might be a hurricane. Now, we're not going to say on what date. We're not going to say where it's going to hit, and we're not going to say how powerful. But the conditions are so right that we would be stupid not to be looking for a hurricane. Well, in the same way, we have a prophetic convergence of prophecy hurricane ingredients, if you will. And what I have been saying, as I think as a responsible preacher and teacher of the Word of God, is look what's happening. Here's what's happening. Israel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you've got this convergence of September events. We would be stupid not to be watchful. And sure enough, people said at the end of it, well, look, the world didn't end. Well, no responsible Bible teacher was saying the world was going to end. I certainly didn't say that. What I was saying was, be alert. There are messianic, biblical, end-time prophecy things that are happening. And sure enough, Richard, September the 23rd rolls around, and what happens? The Pope arrives in America to speak with Obama. Obama, with so many anti-Christian, and some people say anti-Christ spirit, uh, elements about him. I'm not calling him the Antichrist. I'm just saying he has so many Antichrist spirit elements about him. The Pope comes over alongside of him, comes to the White House, speaks before Congress, unprecedented. No Pope has ever done that. Speaks before a joint session of Congress. He is representing Catholicism for the entire planet, and in that speech, he never mentioned the name of Jesus. He never mentioned the word Bible. He never mentioned the word Christian. He never mentioned the word Lord. He, he never mentioned the word abortion. He never mentioned the word homosexuality. He never mentioned the word Islam or terrorism. What did he talk about? He talked about global warming and American border laws. Then he goes to the U.N. and speaks about global warming and Palestine UN raises a flag of Palestine that doesn't even exist over the United Nations. By the way, the colors they chose for the flag represent the four colors of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, black and white and red and pale green. It's amazing. And so, Wait, uh, explain that. I I wasn't familiar with the four the four well I know the, the, the pale green. Which, which horseman is that? Yes. Um, in, in, in Revelation chapter 6, there are four horsemen right. that describe, you know, and, it, and it's, and it's uh, symbolic and, and, and speaks of end-time things, and, and it's cryptic, and so there are many interpretations. But there's the white horse. I don't have the scriptures right in front of me, but there's the white horse that many think uh, has to do with this antichrist spirit that sets out to conquer, presents itself as a, as a Christ, but really is not, and, 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 and causes devastation and wars. And, and then, of course, the you know the black horse representing, excuse me, representing uh, death, and then the red horse representing famine and disease and, and 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 pestilence, and then and then the pale horse it's called in some translations, but the Greek word there means a palish green, a sickly looking green. Uh, the, the red horse had to do with uh, famine right. and, and starvation, and the green pale horse had to do with disease and pestilence. And so these, these four horsemen of the last days, the apocalypse, the, the coming of the very, very last days, are represented by those colors in the scriptures. Now, I'm, I'm not going to make more out of it than what it is, but I'm just saying what happened in September. You had the three major feasts. You had the ending of the blood moons. You had the ending of the Shemitah cycle, the beginning of the year of Jubilee and the super Shemitah. And, had- and we should point out, Carl, that the, the markets – uh, if you look at what happened in China and in Europe, yes, 
uh, huge stock market uh, falls. Fluctuations. I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean, it wasn't all in one day. Right. Uh, but if you look at it, over the period of uh, several weeks, uh, you could argue that we had some of the greatest uh, crashes in market history yeah. during that time. Well, listen, and here's, you know that's an astute observation, and here's how I liken it. The days of Noah and when the flood came. Well, can you imagine Noah and his family gets in the ark, they shut the door, and on the first couple of days it's raining very heavily, and, and then before long the, the water starts rising. But the people are saying all along as the first drops fall, well, look, we're still here. Nothing happened. <laughs> well, after 40 days and 40 nights, and then, and then, and then as it continued on, uh, a lot happened, and the judgment of God fell, and the world was destroyed. So what I'm saying to people is, look, I'm not claiming the sky is falling. I'm not setting dates. I don't know what is or is not going to happen, but I'm not um, ignorant. I, of, I know the Word of God. I see the geopolitical happenings. So during this week of September 23rd, you've got the Pope. He comes to the White House. He goes to Congress. He never mentions Jesus. He goes to the U.N. And during that whole week, what else happens? Oh, my gosh, Russia is in Syria now. Then within a day or two, China is in Syria now. And I mean Syria and Damascus. Those are huge biblical prophetic places, and there's so that's, much in Scriptures about what's going to be true, yes. There. Listen, we, we just have a, a, about a minute and a half here. Yeah. Uh, when you come to Toronto, Wednesday, November the 4th, you'll yeah. be up on the stage uh, along with L.A. Marzuli. Uh, he'll be talking about the Nephilim, the, re- the return, the reemergence of the Nephilim, how that ties into... Uh, the alien abduction um, narrative and, and how that relates to biblical prophecy. You'll be talking about uh, the trumpet days of Revelation. Uh, just yeah. give us a sense of you know what, you, what you'll be presenting. Yeah, well, there's some amazing word correlations in the Scriptures and in Revelation, and found particularly in the trumpet prophecies that correlate, and again, being redundant, I'm sorry, <laughs> some major, amazing word comparisons that correlate to precise historical events, things that have happened, some of them very recently and some in, in, in less than the last 100 years, but precise historical events that correlate to those words that, and, and the, and the uh, elements of the prophecies surrounding those things that happened actually have happened in history and are happening before our eyes correlate to the trumpets of Revelation in which many believe refer to the very, very last days before the return of the Lord. And I've made those correlations, I've cataloged and referenced that using uh, scientific sites, military sites, history sites, mainstream media sites, I mean really uh, tremendous resources, and I've taught this stuff and shown people this around the world for 25 years I've been putting this together. This, this All right, well, well, we'll look forward to hearing yeah. uh, more of that Wednesday, November the 4th, as in the days of Noah. Carl, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. God bless you. Be thou prepared, equipping the church for persecution in times of trouble. The website, strangeplanet.ca. As always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck. Gosh, I love the truckers. Uh, Thanks for inviting me into your camper, your RV, your taxi cab, your diner. 
your cabin in the woods. My name is Richard Serrett, and this is The Conspiracy Show, coming to you live from the cozy confines of Zoomerplex uh, here in Toronto. I always find it um, kind of cool that we talk about liberty and freedom and fighting tyranny uh, here on uh, the program, and yet here we are broadcasting from Liberty Village. Liberty Village in Toronto, and we're to boot on Jefferson Avenue. Thomas Thomas Jefferson uh, and Liberty Village. No coincidence. This was preordained, I think. Okay. Uh, Wow, so much to tell you. Uh, I want to acknowledge, first of all, this uh, letter. Uh, First thing I do when I make uh, my way into the studio, I drop by the mailroom, and uh, this is just becoming a uh, far too common. Uh, A letter from Buffalo, and I just want to acknowledge David. I'm not going to mention uh, a last name, uh, but David, you know who you are. I did get your letter. Uh, David and I spoke apparently a few months back when I was when I was hosting Coast to Coast, and David uh, was a caller into the program. And David appears to be another one of these uh, targeted individuals. And he sent me this letter along with some photographs, which appear to be. I'm going to show these uh, Albert, uh, who's operating our hangout on air. Let me know if these are being these are showing up. Well, this is the most I think uh, sort of profound one. Can you see that? Down. Okay, how's that? You can see that? That is David. Uh, these are the effects, uh, probably, well, he suspects, of a directed energy weapon. This would just appear sort of overnight, this bruising. Uh, anyway, and there's other photographs here, um, but he goes on to talk about... Uh, this is, I want you to look at the pictures I'm, I sent and imagine a blister forming under your toenail, and within seconds it's so big that it pushes the nail right off your toe. Actually, I do have that photo. I don't know if you can make that out on this picture. Can you see that? All right. So he, David is saying a blister appears under the toe, and within seconds, within seconds it pushes the toenail right off. Uh, and then he talks about... Imagine your front tooth exploding out of your mouth. Then I want you to imagine the muscles in your hamstrings, hamstrings tightening to the point where it feels like you were hit with a bullet. And I, I believe that's what he's referring to with this photo. Uh, he goes on to say, Richard, imagination is one thing, reality is another. I know it might be asking a lot, but if you could t- call me at my home number and just leave a message to let me know you received this letter, it would be most appreciated. Well, I, w- I will follow this up with a phone call. Uh, but David, if you're listening... Um, I hear you. I am in receipt of your letter. Uh, be strong, brother. That's all I can say. The angels are on your side. And this is just becoming um, uh, um, a weekly event, daily practically, w- letters, emails about uh, targeted individuals and uh, and so forth. I was at the Jim Mars event uh, I mentioned in Toronto on Friday, and um, which was uh, presented by my good friends Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture. And a couple of people approached me. And this is out of a, an audience of about 200 in attendance. Two people approached me and said they were targeted individuals. Uh, now, it's one thing to listen to someone calling in on a program and uh, people start to send in letters and, and photographs. And then, but, but, then, but then you meet these people face-to-face uh, and you can, you can see the, you know, the authenticity. Uh, one woman on Friday, so, in so much pain, uh, and again, convinced she's uh, targeted. She's new to Toronto. She had nowhere to turn. She uh, she looked at me, grabbed my hand, and said, "Can you help me?" Uh, nobody believes me. She said, "Oh, and what can I do?" Uh, it breaks my heart. 
uh, I guess all I can do is uh, keep talking about it on the on the program and uh, let people know that they're not alone uh, and encourage them to keep the faith. Don't despair. Above all, uh, do not despair. That's what they want. They want to break you. You got to fight every day uh, and know that the angels are on your side. All right. Um, speaking of faith. A couple of years ago, my, uh, my television partner, producer-director Jalal Murai from Film One, who produces The Conspiracy Show, uh, brought John of God to town, uh, who's a psychic healer, a faith healer, performs psychic surgery. You've seen the YouTube videos, interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. Comes from this remote and poor village in Brazil. Uh, and I have to admit, you know, I'm a skeptic. Uh, not really quite sure what to make of people like John of God, although I met people who were... I, I didn't meet John of God on this trip. I was at the event, didn't see him, didn't meet him, and I uh, I know a number of people who were in, in, in direct contact with him and went as total skeptics and had uh, some remarkable, maybe call it supernatural experience. And so when that happens, my ears prick up and I pay attention and I listen. Um, but we hear a lot about psychic surgeons coming from the Philippines, and I'm not sure why that is. It seems to be a hot zone for psychic surgeons. And I have seen the YouTube videos, and I have to be honest, a lot of them, I think, a lot of them, maybe most of them, are frauds perpetrating uh, scams. But then, uh, and, and then going back to John of God, no, it's not, sh not so sure, open-minded about that one. Not ready to dismiss him as a fraud or a, or a, a scam. I am not. Uh, but then we have my next guest, who is a, uh, an author. My gosh, I've got just a pile of, uh, of books here. These are all written by Val Zubiri. All of these. There's uh, five books here. Uh, and he is, he's an author, but he's also a visual artist. He's a, uh, a doll maker. They call him the doll man. And apparently there's a musical coming to Broadway about this. Memoir of an artist as a doll maker. Uh, but there's much more to Val Zubiri than this. As we will discover over the next 40 minutes or so, uh, Val, his father, fell ill, desperately ill. Pancreatic cancer. I mean, there's two words nobody wants to hear. I mean, that is almost, with very few exceptions, and I'm thinking of uh, the musician Wilco Johnson. I don't know if you're uh, fans of uh, Dr. Feelgood, that band from the, the 70s. He got the diagnosis, pancreatic cancer, and actually survived, but that's very rare. Pancreatic cancer is a death sentence. Well, Val's a father um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and that sort of set Val on this journey, and lo and behold, he winds up in the Philippines, uh, where he encounters some psychic healers and psychic surgeons. Uh, and uh, he has written about it, and um, he's here to talk to us about that right now. Val Zubiri, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm good, Richard. Nice to talk to you, finally, because uh, I've been listening to your show for a while. Well, uh, Val, let's um, let's just jump right in here because a fascinating story, fascinating journey. Uh, first of all, 
Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a, you're a visual artist. You're a, a doll maker. That's that's an interesting profession for the year 2015. That's come, yeah, it sort of uh, speaks of a bygone era almost. Well, it's it's a form of contemporary art. And if you go to Wikipedia, somebody uh, justifies that existence with you know all these definitions about being a fine art type of field. You know, now uh, some. I've been told by some experts that I'm probably one of less than 20 now in on in the world, you know, doing, you know, starting from scratch, you know, uh, sculpting the face, the heads, the rest of the body, and then making the molds, and then finally, and then taming porcelain. You know, there's a that's a that's a phrase that people people use. You know, porcelain is the is the one of, if not the hardest ceramic to tame. So taming porcelain is a term, you know, that everyone uses. Right, right. And and they're, and and um, they're going to make a Broadway musical about you? Oh, no, uh, no, uh, not not yet. Not yet. Uh, it's it's been, in the works, though. It's been it's been noticed, but uh, it'll be a while, you know. Uh, well, yeah, these things take theater time. Is, yeah, theater, is, theater can take forever. Absolutely, uh, like television and films. Hurry up and wait. I know, yeah. <laughs> I get that. Believe me. So, tell me about your dad. He. Um, uh, well, when did you find out? When did he find out that he had pancreatic cancer? Okay, so in twenty fifteen, uh, earlier in the year, around let's say March, okay, because I, I don't have the, I got the book in front of me. I don't want to be opening that. But uh, he said there was a scarring in his, you know, something. Something felt he he had like a stomach pain. And so he had scan. He had a scan, and there was scarring in his uh, pancreas. And then after that, well, the doctors said, "Let's wait. You know, it might it might be it might just be scarring, uh, scarring, and uh, you know the thing might go away. You know." So they said, "Okay." And a few a few months later, like maybe about three four months later, they said uh, they called me again in Chicago, and he's in the Philippines in Manila, and. They said, "Oh, it's gotten bigger, and it's definitely pa- pancreatic cancer." So this this is recent. This happened this year. Uh, no, it's in, uh, it happened 2013. 2013. I'm sorry, I, I misheard you. Okay, 2013. And, Still fairly recently. All right. Yeah. So so what I what I did, I uh, I said, well, why didn't you like take precautions and whatever? You know, like uh, you probably should have like stopped some vitamins that are very oily and whatever. You know, and he 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 goes like, well. They said for me to wait. So I was like, um, okay, well, that's fine. You know, it's, it's happened. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's done. So let's just start from here, you know. So I, um, being that I was, in the, was far away from him, the only thing I can do was pray. And uh, my sister and my brother, they were taking care of him there. And your so, father is, he lives in the Philippines. He lived in the Philippines, yes. Okay. Uh, uh, before that, he was going back and forth, you know, like uh, the United States and then Palau. Uh, he was assistant to the, what was his designation? Like something like a special assistant to the president of Palau. Right before he got assassinated. So he had to like, he had to leave. Anyway, but that, that was years ago. But uh, So now he's like, uh, he was retired and... Uh, so I was going like, you know, so I was telling my sister and my dad, I used to, I used to hang out with a psychic surgeon in the Philippines and that was 28 years ago. 
And uh, so they, they're going like, well, what did they say? You know, like, uh, what, what should we do now? You know, so I, I was going like, well, I'm going to have to revisit his teachings. All right. I'm going to get you to hold on right there, Val, because uh, we've got that music uh, oh, percolating okay. up here, which means it's time to go for a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, psychic surgeons in the Philippines. Val Zubiri is with us, a visual artist, author, and um, he'll tell us about his journey into the world of, it's a controversial one, um, but I, I, um, I ask you, keep an open mind and then reserve your judgment. Psychic surgery, when the conspiracy show continues. My name is Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. Uh, Val Zubiri is with us, visual artist, a doll maker. Uh, his uh, journey into the world of psychic healing and psychic surgery. Uh, and when most of us think about psychic surgery, you know, Val, there have been a number of exposés. Uh, we've seen them on YouTube. We've, uh, I think, even 60 Minutes uh, did one. Um, and for most people, when they hear the, the, that term, psychic surgery, let's face it, let's be brutally honest, they think fraud and scam what were your going into this? I mean, you mentioned you knew a psychic surgeon about 28 years ago. Were you mm -hmm. a skeptic, a debunker? Well, um, here's what happened. Um, I was uh, I was doing my bachelor's science in biology, and I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. So I was like thinking there must be a shortcut here. Maybe I can do something else, you know. So, and around that time, uh, for some reason, my writing ability just snapped you know like uh, all of a sudden it got better and my teachers my professors were who were they were famous in the philippines you know they're uh, famous for writing and they're going they're reading my 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 essays you know in class so so i said so my last hurrah for um for writing something was uh an english term paper you know so i i i i was everyone's like studying to be doctors and whatever and here I am like with my last English term paper and I, I, I approached the lady, the professor, and she said, uh, okay, I'll give you a full year to finish your uh, your term paper. And so I gave her a thick one, I got an A. And the title was Psychic Surgery in the Philippines. So I, I did my research and uh, it turned out there was, uh, were, uh, around that time, you know, some books and magazine articles um, would would say there was uh, there was one psychic surgeon in Russia, one in Brazil, and then 150 in the Philippines at least. You know something like that. The one so you I mentioned think, in Brazil. You mentioned sorry? Brazil. Is that John of God you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. That I highly suspect that was John of God when I when I you know years and years and decades later you know I kind of. I kind of figured that out, you know. So John of God was the psychic surgeon that whatever those articles were talking about uh, way back, you know. So why so many in Braz in the Philippines? 150. Why so many there? Well, that's what I was thinking too, you know. But um, here's my analysis, you know. Uh, we're assuming we're we're using the word psychic, see. So um, when you use the word psychic, you know, you're more intuitive, you know, you're more into your, you know, your, your mind. And the characteristic thing about the Philippines is that we're, we're Christian for, for the most part, but not, not only that, we're a poor country. And so, you know, like, not everyone can afford to go to a doctor, a Western doctor, you know, so, um, so, 
that's something that you know maybe other countries don't have. You know, they're, so they're so psychic surgeons um, reach out, you know, to these poor people, and these poor people don't want to go to a doctor; they'd rather go to a healer. So uh, there's all these different healers. Now, before we go on, I'd like to do two sets of uh, uh, definitions that I use in the book. So, um, so my book. I, I write memoirs only because you know, like uh, I like to I like to market myself as the the product, you know. So uh, as an artist, I figure if nobody writes wants to write about me, then I might as well write about myself. And I can't write biographies. I have you know, like I haven't done anything much. So I write memoirs. And when it came to the psychic surgery thing, if I wrote a how-to book. I'd be, I'd be, uh, you know, I, I would have one less memoir, and at the same time, I would say, you know, the FDA and everyone scientific would be attacking my book. So, you know, why would I do that? So, I said, okay, well, I'll just go with my original plan of writing a memoir, and in that memoir, I'll just say, hey, you know what? Here's what I think about psychic surgery, and here's what the guy said, you know. So, okay, but tell us about this right. this gentleman oh. that, that you hooked up with about 28 years ago in the Philippines. Was yeah. he sort of the Philippines version of John of God? No, uh, actually, John of God uses, like, sharp materials, you know, the, to to do whatever. The psychic surgeon I saw, all he, can, all he would do is wave his hand, and the skin opens up. And normally, it's the stomach cavity that opens up. But... If if there's something wrong with like the wrist or you know the legs, he'll wave his hand or like put his hand over, and the skin just opens up. You know if if it's needed, okay. But if if it's just pain or whatever, and you know maybe arthritis or whatever, the skin wouldn't open up. You know, so he he feels like if it's needed, you know, then then the skin will open up. And yeah. and you have witnessed this close up with your own two eyes, the skin. Uh, opening up tissue, opening up yeah, with just a uh, wave of the hand. With the wave of a hand, and he's, and he even told me like I can, my hand can be like twelve, eighteen inches above the skin, and it still opens up. And he did it in front of me. Okay, so I, so basically, um, okay, let me, since people would be like uh, doubtful about this, let let me. And can you blame them? And can you blame them? Yeah, no, uh, no, because uh, I, I saw them, you know, I, I saw some some supposedly, you know, like genuine psychic surgeons before I met that guy, uh, seemingly palming something in their hands, you know, and then all of a sudden the thing, you know, like they're able to pull something out, but I don't see any any wounds, you know. So you're acknowledging, what you're saying is you're acknowledging that there are frauds and scams out there. Oh, yeah, uh, and I... In my book, I define four terms. You know, there's fake healers, faith healers, psychic healers, and then psychic surgeons. Okay, so faith healer would be uh, a fake healer would be somebody. Who, let's say uh, somebody wants to like just get money from people. He'll pretend he, he he'll pretend he can heal. Okay, but he knows in his mind that he's faking it. So that's a fake healer. But the placebo effect might happen. True. Right. Okay. So number two would be a faith healer. When somebody says, I believe in God and I will heal you, 
with the, the you know, like laying on of hands, then that's a faith healer. Okay. Now you've seen Chinese, you know, like on, a, on YouTube, there'd be like Chinese, and obviously they wouldn't be like acknowledging that there's a religion or any form of God. You know, they're say, they're just saying it's psychic, uh, it's psychic healing. You know, so so, so I, I saw this footage where supposedly they were scanning, you know, somebody with cancer, and they're like visualizing healing, and the cancer seemed to like grow shorter, uh, smaller, you know, uh, it's, it's on YouTube, you know, you, you, you can Google it or something. But, uh, well, I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of videos and, and the problem okay. is a lot of these things are very difficult because there's no follow up, you know, uh, we, yeah, yeah. you know, we don't see the before the after we don't see cat skins. We don't see, however, let's go back to yeah, this no psychic ECG surgeon. Can you, can you identify that. this psychic surgeon by name? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, let me get to that. Okay. So uh, let me, let me, uh, let me define the fourth one, psychic surgery. When, you, when you're doing a psychic, when, when, uh, when you're doing psychic healing and some sort of like a physical manifestation comes out, like, like the skin opening up, then that's psychic surgery. So it's, it's a switch. But also that, that psychic surgeon that I saw, his lessons come from the Bible. Okay, so he's a, he's a faith healer. But once, but my definition of it is, if if the skin starts opening up because of psychic and religious whatever, then it becomes psychic surgery. And how many of these okay. operations, these psychic surgeries, did you witness firsthand, close up? Okay, I I did my. Okay, I'm I'm a great procrastinator. So towards the end of the year, I finally you know like uh, showed up. I had this address, I showed up, uh, and I was like, uh, I watched them do whatever, you know, like there's three tables, it's all in the book, but um, it's, I saw three tables with three psychic surgeons, okay, and I thought I saw them palm something, you know, in their hands, and then, you know, the, the skin opens up, well, the skin didn't, didn't open up, I didn't see it, it's just that there's, like, blood that trailed, you know, so... I kind of was doubting, and then somebody came up to me from the back, and he was like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "I'm supposed to, <laughs> I'm supposed to make a, a term paper for my English class, <laughs> and I come from this school, it's you know, University of the Philippines, and it's a very prestigious school." So he goes like, "Yeah, I kind of noticed that you don't fit in here, you know, around here, you know, because like, uh, people were poor, you know, so you can see you can see that they're poor and they're sick, you know, so, um, so I said, well." Can I talk to one of those guys so I can start my research? And he goes like, well, no, you, you can't, because uh, those people, after their psychic surgery sessions, they have to go somewhere else, and it, the psychic surgery weakens them. That's what he said. Ah, so you wanted to talk to the patients, and they wouldn't no, let you. No, I wanted you. to talk to those three guys that were doing Oh, the actual surgeons. In, the, in front. But they didn't want you to. No, he, he, said, he said, those guys wouldn't want to talk to you right now, and they're going to be traveling to another place. And they're going to be tired because of psychic surgery, you know. It's like something psychic with the mind, you know. So, and then he goes like, but you can talk to me tomorrow. And I said, I, and I smiled at him. I said, are you a psychic surgeon? And he goes, he, he just nods, you know. He goes, yeah, yeah I, I'm a psychic surgeon. I was like, how come you're not in front of there, you know, uh, with them? And he goes like, well, I'm supposed to just be volunteering here. But here's my address. Come Come at two o'clock because the session starts at three, and I'll, I'll I'll teach you what I can. So I go, so I so I was there, and uh, you know what's weird? 
I had to use the bathroom, right? And it's a poor, it's a poor, you know, it's a poor home. And uh, you, you know, in the Philippines, you you use you use some sort of like a pail or a small, you know, like a small thing, you know, so you can pour water over your head. Right, right. Instead of a shower, you know. So the, I saw this pink pail, right? This red pail, or I can't remember. I think it was blue. It's on the book, but. Uh, that same pail was on top of, you know, where, you know, that big drum of water. And he used it for his psychic surgery. And he would dip his hands with blood, with some people's blood, you know, and he'll, he'll wash his hands that way. <laughs> like, but I, I did see it. And he sat me down the, an hour before, you know, it all started. And then I, I hung out for the next month and a half, after, after a month and a half, I was able to finish my term paper and give it to the professor. However, I I stayed there for two uh, two more months, you know. So I was basically there every Sunday for two for three and a half months. And how many how many surgeries did you uh, witness firsthand and up close? Uh, I was right next to him until I got tired. It got old, you know. It's the same thing over and over. So I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm just going to sit down here and just talk to the other." But, but how many surgeries would you say you witnessed? Approximately dozens, hundreds? Uh, no, uh, no. I, I, I've seen um, about fifty. Fifty five zero. Yes. All right. And uh, I mean, were you? You were given total access. You were looking very carefully. I mean, did you set out to write a paper to debunk psychic surgery? What was your? Why did you decide to write a paper in the first place about this? Because I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. You know, I was looking Got for it. shortcuts. Okay, so you, in, in <laughs> other words, you were open guy. to the possibility that this was real. I yeah. Well, no, it's I I did believe it was real already because you did. Uh, okay. There's been books in the Philippines, you know, by local authors talking about it. You know, so. Okay, so but 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 you were open to the possibility that it was a complete fraud as well. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, because okay. uh, because of my because of my scientific background, you know, All I was right. almost graduating with a biology degree. And and so. you were like right beside him the whole time, and you saw incisions opening up simply by yeah. him waving his hand above above the body. Yeah, and and if you know me, uh, I'm I'm a clown. You know, I'm I'm looking for something funny all the time. Uh, okay, here's what here's what I did. I asked, hey, uh, Mr. Augustine, because that's his first name, uh, Mr. Uh, his first name's Augustine. And uh, I said, what do you need for next week? And he goes like, well, what can you afford? And I said, I don't know. Uh, he goes like, why don't you bring some cotton? So I bought the cheapest cotton that I can find, you know, like a roll of like, I don't know, like a, with a diameter of like three inches, okay? And, you know, like a six inch, three, six inch by three inch log of cotton, okay? from the local pharmacy, and it's clean, right? Guess what? You know, I, I gave it to him. He goes, like, thanks, and I can use this. You know what he did? He'll grab cotton, like, all that much that he can grab from his hand, with his hand and stick it into those patients because, they, you know, with their, with their incisions open, you know, he'll stick it in. He'll, you'll, you'll see his hand disappear. And then he'll, he'll lift his hand, close the wound, the wound disappears, and he goes, like, you have to come back to me tomorrow, uh, the next week so we can take the cotton out. He's using that like gauze. No, he's using it like a... He's using it like an absorbent material that right. leaves inside the stomach. Well, sure, what I would call a gauze. So he puts it inside the incision and then removes it a week later. 
From inside, yes. Wow. All right. Uh, Val, and hold on. My cotton, my cotton lug just got bigger and bigger until I couldn't afford one anymore. All right. Uh, we will uh, take a time. I'll come back. Val Zubiri is with us. Uh, his latest is called Hocus Pocus Lately, a paranormal memoir of a soon-to-be-famous anonymous artist as a reluctant healer or real healing lessons from a psychic surgeon and how you and I can do it now. That's quite a title. We'll uh, discuss <laughs> on the joke, other side. Man. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. All right. Quite a tale. Val Zubiri is with us. We're talking about psychic surgery in the Philippines. He witnessed it firsthand, a close-up, uh, with his gentleman named Augustine. Uh, and so we don't have a lot of time here. And uh, I mean, Do we know, have a lot of time? We, we don't have a lot of time. So what I want to do is I want to sort of jump ahead a little bit. Um, when did you decide, I mean, I'm guessing that you wanted to learn it because your father came down with pancreatic cancer. You wanted to well, learn yeah. how to do it, right? Yeah. Um, he's, he, he's, he, he told me to stop, you know, like, uh, for example, um, uh, Christ spent 40 days and 40 nights, okay? And then there's the, there's the Noah's flood, you know, 40 days and 40 nights. So he said... You know what, Val, uh, this is not really exactly 40 days and 40 nights. You know, you, you interpret it as, as you wish. It's as long as you need to do it, you know, like to, to be enlightened. So you spend your 40 days and 40 nights. And so I, so I, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to spend my 40 days and 40 nights and start praying for my dad. So what I did was go to church every day. I discovered, you know, I, I'm Catholic, so uh, I, I discovered, like, uh, I never knew this, you know, until then, you know, uh, this thing called divine mercy, okay, where, you know, if you see that Christ uh, image with, like, the two rays of light coming from his heart, it's supposed to be, like, the water and the blood that came out, okay. So, okay, so, uh, so aside from going to church, as soon as I got out, I prayed the rosary and prayed whatever, prayed the divine mercy, and then, you know, like, all the way tonight, and then uh, I, uh, on a Sunday, I, I, I chanced upon a procession. I joined the procession. I, I, uh, some Sundays, I go to church like three times. You know, there's an 8 o'clock and a 9.30. Uh, uh, no, an 8 o'clock and 10.30 and, that, and a 7 o'clock mass. And then, you know, the, the Saturday before that, there would be like the big mass for, for the Sunday. And the daily mass you know, that would be like 30 minutes. I do that, you know, so that, that was my interpretation of 40 days and 40 nights. And I stopped work. I, I didn't go to work. And guess what happened to me? One night, one night I, I was awake. I was lying in bed and a vibration, you know, from my foot all the way to my head started. And I was like, what's going on? You know, so maybe I'm, maybe the Holy Spirit is visiting me, you know, something like that. And then, uh, and then it happened again, a second night. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, you know, this is like an experiment. You know, like I told you, I'm a biology student, graduate, you know. So I, so I said, oh, I like this massage. I'm going to turn over because it's a good massage. You know, it's like vibration of the whole body, you know. So, so I turned over. Guess what? I felt a hand on my left shoulder, you know, turn, trying to turn me back. And then I, I turned, so I was going like, I was forcing myself to turn around, but I, I gave up, I gave up, you know, so I turned around and then I looked at the, I looked at the being, you know, there's a being, okay, the reason I'm telling you this is because there might be some other people out there who might have the same experience, so we can have, you know, like, 
they're, they're probably thinking it's only happened to them, but it happened to me, okay? I saw a being, it's a silhouette of light, but the light looked like a, like TV static. All right. Okay? Right. So now I'm beginning to ask myself, you know, is, am I a curious creature so that I'm probably like emitting some sort of energy or whatever that, these, uh, that there's this being that's not, I, I don't think he's an angel, but I, you know, if you're, if you're religious, you become like, a, you become peaceful. You know, it's a side Oh, effect. I get that. Well, why were you so convinced that this, this being was not an angel? How do you know? Because um, I've been listening to UFOs and extraterrestrials. And I've, I've had like I've had like other experience before. You know, like uh, one time I got I, I felt like I flopped down on the bed, and I was in Chicago already. You know, I flopped down on the bed. That this like 1990s game, and I I suddenly just woke up and I took my shirt off and I was looking for a spot. You know, like I was looking for a mark, for some reason, for no apparent reason. I wasn't even like watching any UFO stories or, you know. So I, I, I found a mark on myself, and it's, it's right smack in the middle of my, uh, right above my stomach, right on the area of the diaphragm. Just I got to jump in here again, Val. I'm sorry. We're going into a break, but I, I, okay. I, I got it. I know where you're going. Uh, alien abduction, perhaps? Yeah. But, uh, well, hey, here's the thing. I mean, how do we know we're not really talking about the same thing? One man's uh, extraterrestrial is another man's angel. We'll uh, discuss. Perhaps. All right. We'll be back. The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. All right. Uh, Val Zubiri is with us for a few moments yet. The, the latest uh, memoir is called Hocus Pocus Lately, a paranormal memoir of a soon-to-be-famous anonymous artist as a reluctant uh, healer. Uh, his journey into the world of psychic healing and psychic surgeons. Uh, Augustine. Was that the name of the gentleman? Um, yeah. His, his name is Augustine. Augustine. Now, However, uh, well. Um, yeah. All right. Go ahead. Finish your thought. And I, 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 we, because we're tight on time, I'm going to ask you sort of a lot of sort of rapid fire type questions just okay. so we can move things along. But go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, being that uh, I was looking for my career and whatever, you know, so uh, I kind of said, you know, this, this is a cult, you know, CLT. You know, it speaks of religion and it's not, a, it's a, it's a, it's a Christian thing. However, they don't have a formal form of uh, governance, you know. It's just him and his followers. So I said, you know, I didn't graduate with a biology degree and have all my contemporaries going to medical school and me joining a cult, you know. So that was it for that. And be, being that, uh, you know, like I've, I've experienced, you know, how sweet and how attractive joining a cult is, you know. So I, I never told my dad. I never told my sisters. My sisters. And my brother and my mom, you know, but we're all into, you know, we get, we get into, we get into the paranormal every once in a while, but we, you know, we, we brush it off, you know, and we, we get interested and then, you know, we resolve it and then it's over, you know, so I never told them anything. And so that's it for that, you know. So, okay. Uh, so did you now, take your father I, to see Augustine? No, he never did. Uh, he, my dad, when he was 13, you know, right after the war, World War II, uh, he fell off a horse, okay? And then, uh, and this is in the book, too. He fell off a horse. He didn't tell his dad, and he got infected. Now, they had to, like, take him to the hospital where, where tuberculosis, you know, where tuberculosis patients were, because he had something in his lungs, right? He, his rib broke 
and his lungs got infected. So they brought in a faith healer. And this faith healer on that day uh, held him, just held him and whatever, and all the pus from his infection came out. He was supposed to die. He lived. And after, after touching my dad, she faced my uh, great aunt, you know, my dad's aunt from his dad's side, who was wearing thick glasses, and uh, the healer said, what's wrong with your eyes? And she said, you know, I just have really high, you know, prescription. And she somehow, like, spat on her hand and then rubbed it on, the, on my great aunt's eyes. And to, to the, till, until she died, she had 20-20 vision. Hmm. All right. But your father would not go to see Augustine? No, I think I think my dad my dad died at age eighty. You know, so he was, was it pregnant. from the pancreatic cancer? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, but my dad's miracle, if you want to know, he never felt pain. You know, uh, I I I was praying here, and my sister's another religious person, and she was praying over there, and my dad never felt pain. Uh, all he all he before he passed away, he. Uh, I guess he he uh, lost consciousness because of all that infection that was going into his brain and whatever. But right. he never felt pain. Well, that is all remarkable. Throughout those months. That is remarkable. And, and and when you, I mean, you learned how to do this. Are, are you a psychic mm. surgeon or a psychic healer? Can can no, you I, do what Augustine d- does? No, I'm. I would say I'm. The reason why that's titled Hocus Pocus lately. Every you know, like when when every once in a while I, I encounter a person with pain. And I'd say, okay, give me a number. And the person would say, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's an 8 right now, sometime, like that, that chapter. On Hocus, that, that title is chapter, you know. And the, the guy, Jake, he said, uh, right now it's an 8, uh, sometimes it's, it's a 20. And I said, I'm going to make the pain go away. And then I touched him, you know, the way I would touch him as a healer. And he'd go like, how did you do that? Hmm. So I said, I, I was going to like, well, it's it's hypnosis, okay? It's hypnosis. That's it. And then uh, and then I and then he said and then I asked him, Where, "Where's your other pain? Do you, have, do you have any more pain?" And he goes like, "Yeah, it's still here. So what's the number? It's not number two. And what about anything anywhere else?" He goes like, "I got pins on my knees and on my elbow in my elbows." So uh, so I said, "Okay, I'm gonna make those pain go away." And then I touched him again, and he goes like, "How did you do that?" And he said the pain would be every day. However, since that night that I touched him, it never it never went back. Hmm. And then I, I I told him, you know, you know, Jake, we should talk every once in a while because your paradigm shifted, and you're not ready. All right. I, and, I, I, okay. I, I want to get back to Augustine because the, this is uh, the psychic surgeon. If I could, hmm. um, I mean, this is a it's a very long. Um, you know, journey here, and obviously, you know, it's filled up several hundred pages in in your memoir, Hocus Pocus, lately. But if I could just just bring it back to the um, to Augustine, because this gentleman yeah. sounds uh, amazing. Um, was he was what was he doing during the psychic surgery? Was he removing tumors? What was he doing? He would remove like blood clots. Blood clots. Okay. Yeah, because they're dark and solid. Solid. You know, it's uh, I, when when his hand would go in. Some blood will flow, and then when he, and supposedly he, he believes that whatever he grabs, you know, the, the, bad, the bad tissue would gravitate towards his hand. And then you would, you would see the wounds um, um, 
heal themselves. Like before your eyes, they would close up. Is that right? They, yes, they would close up. And his theory, and my theory too, you know, I kind of agree with him, uh, is, well, he said, he, he said if, if a person is cooperative and he believes the same thing, then it'll happen. All right. Did you ever ask about getting permission to videotape this? Oh yeah, he said he said he's fine. You know, he's fine with that. You know, he he actually showed me a, a photo, uh, like a, a, you know, we don't have digital photo photography way back. You know, but uh, he had an album. He said he 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 even showed. He said he went to Germany. He was invited, and then he performed psychic surgery there. He went to the United States to to perform psychic surgery. The thing the thing with these people, you know, like, there are people in the United States, for example, who would invite these people. But they, of course, wouldn't ad- advertise it. They don't want it advertised because, you know, like, who knows? The FDA might come knocking at your door. Right, right. But, but what about, I mean, if I could see a video of a wound opening up, an incision opening up in, in someone's body, and then that same wound healing spontaneously uh, mm-hmm. in a video, I mean, my gosh, that would be pretty compelling evidence. Yeah, except, except uh, like, Let's say let's say we're talking, okay? I'm excited, for example, okay? I I'm not at my healing stage. I might be able to heal, but not as much, you know. You understand me? So there's there's you need to have some sort of like a peaceful, you know, like demeanor, like okay. a connection to God, you know. When you're when you're trying to prove something and you're you know that you know you're not used to cameras, but it's pointed at you. I don't think it's it's it it wouldn't cooperate as much, you know. Well, are you sure about that? Or do we know that for a fact? Uh, I mean, did you try it? Did you at least try? Was I mean, you said he was open to that. He was open, Augustine was open to you filming this, right? No, he was open to me, uh, well, no, I wouldn't have, uh, he was open to me taking photographs of it. Just photographs, okay. Yeah. Right. I, well, 30 years ago, I mean, who would have a webcam or a video cam, you know? Right, all right. Is he still with us, by the way, Augustine? Uh, that's exactly, you know, when, when, I, when I left the Philippines, this is the weird part, too, you know, when I, that, that chapter that I called Last Supper, it freaked me out, you know, because uh, I wasn't very religious then, and, you know, he, he was teaching me all this. I just, you know, I was taking notes, but, uh, you know, I wasn't really, you know, into it. Uh, and, you know, the last day I was there, uh, the, the week before that, they said, hey, Val, don't, don't, don't make the mistake of missing t- next week. And I go like, why? It's our anniversary. So I went there, and they had this, you know, they had this, like, simple gathering. The place was clean. I, I was looking for the patients, and they go like, no, it's our anniversary. We're just partying right now. So they, they elected officers, and then, and then this lady went into a trance. You know, she was, in a, she was seated, and there was a circular table, and everyone who was just elected, including the psych surgeon, was the leader of the group? They were all gathered around, right? So she 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 opened her eyes and she started talking to these people. You know, this is what you're gonna do. This is what you're gonna do. I, this is how you guide yourself and blah 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 and blah blah blah. And I thought it was over, right? Everyone thought it was over because there were guests too, you know. But the light was on that table, you know. Every all the lights were dim or down. And this lady craned her neck and stared at me from who was like 20 to 30 feet away. And I, I, was, uh, I was turning around, and I was the only person at that spot, right? 
And she said, there's somebody here who's new to the group. He is gonna, he's going to leave us and won't come back for a really, 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 really long time. And, and, then, I go, and then she goes like, uh, she, she told me stuff, and then she said, whatever it is that you're set out to do, it is the right thing for you. You, know, it's, uh, you, you do it. It's the, it's the right thing. It's what you're supposed to do. And then, and then after that, she, uh, she came back, you know. So I was like, why did, she, why did she, of all people, you know, like point at me and single me out? Because you know, everyone else is like And this is 28 years ago. This was 28 <laughs> years ago, and you went away for a very long time and then came back after your father uh, became uh, no, ill. No, I never, no. Uh, we, have, we have this belief, you know, we, uh, my family's following a new, a new trend amongst ourselves, you know. When you, when you die, you get cremated the next day. There's no, it's useless to come back, you know. All we right. have this thing, you know, we just, we just cremate our, we're done with like the nine day wakes, you know, we're not, we don't do that anymore. So our new thing is like cremation the next day. All right. So, um, how many would you say, I mean, how rare uh, is this ability? How many God, uh, John of Gods are there out there? I use that name just because it's, yeah. people know the name. How many God of, uh, John of Gods are there, would you suspect, in the world? A in dozen? The Philippines or in the world? Any, in the, well, according to, the, according to Augustine, anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Anybody can do it. Right now, I can do it, if you want. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a healing, you know, like, uh, okay, Let's say let's say you have you have listeners, right? Uh, okay, now right now, remember, uh, give your number, give a number between one to ten. You know what's the most, you know what what is your rating in in terms of your pain right now? Okay, so now remember that. Okay, so uh, well, well, okay, we, now now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make the pain go away. Okay, based on my faith, not on anyone's faith. I've been I've been in the grace of God. According to you know my definition has definition okay so I so I'm making a demonstration right now so okay. well we uh, we, we don't have we don't have time unfortunately for demonstration we're wrapping oh. up the show and and um, you know perhaps we can uh, we can have you on at another time and we can actually you know maybe perform that experiment on the air oh yeah we can do yeah I'm, I'm confident it can happen you know it's, uh, it's excellent it's, okay listen it's Val- a combination of things you know it's not just faith it's uh, hypnosis you know and uh, suggestion you know it's the willingness of the person to participate all right. Val, a great pleasure meeting you, and uh, leave us a w- with a website very quickly. Um, I have valentinozubiri.com, and my email address is valzubiri at gmail.com. All right, we've hooked up and to your uh, website on our, on, yeah, uh, our website yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, so people... yeah, I saw it. I saw it. You have Excellent. Happening. Okay, uh, a pleasure, Val. Thank you. My thanks to Albert. Uh, Tim Spreen, good to have you back. Back next week with a brand new program. And uh, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.